So I'm going to pray before we come to God's word. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the really lovely bits that lift us up and encourage us. And thank you for the hard bits that stretch us and really make us think. And I pray that as we come to this bit today, a hard bit, you by your spirit would show us what you what you want to say. You, you reveal to us, Lord, what you want to say to us this morning. So help us, Lord. Help us. Amen. So this is what it says, reading Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was, a, I was, a, I was sick. And, and, and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go out, they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So I came to this passage late in the week. Um, it was a busy week, and we were we were travelling up to collect Holly on or collect Holly's stuff on 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 Thursday. So time time was short. I have to say, I, I little confession in that I did take Thursday morning off to ride my bike, so I could have written it then. But anyway, <laughs> I had a good time. <laughs> but so I was a little bit behind in my preparations, and this is a this is a complicated passage. So Ange and I downloaded a couple of things to listen to as we were driving up to, we went up to Bristol on Thursday evening and on to Oxford Friday. But, so we, we, we downloaded a couple to listen to on the way. And I thought this will help me in my preparation. So on the way, we listened to two sermons, two well-known preachers with solid reputations, both said completely different things about this passage. <laughs> 
So then what happened on Saturday, right? I got up early. I said, I'm going to nail this today. We had dads and kids. We had a fab time at dads and kids yesterday, didn't we? Those of you who were there, Dan was there. It was brilliant. Um, but read through a, a commentary I've got on this, one of these books about the passage. Really good. One, someone I really uh, uh, value. And uh, so I was reading through and said something different again. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, what is this passage? about what is this passage saying well i think the reality is is that they're all right different ways of understanding and interpreting this passage i'm going to look at all three with you in a moment as we ask the question what does this mean to us here today as we seek to live out this life of christ as we seek to be the bride the body the family uh, the bride of christ and, and, the, and the family of god let me give you a bit of background to the reading first and the context. So um, the passage is set within what they call the, it's called the Olivet Discourse. So Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. And uh, this is basically what Jesus shared on the Mount of Olives before he went to the cross. Final words. Final words really matter. This is important what he is, is sharing. Now, if you're interested, you can go to the City Life Church uh, YouTube channel. And encourage you to do this. Steve's done a series of uh, Steve Beasley's done a series of talks as part of this series we're looking at on the end times, the second coming, second coming of Christ. And and in the in the second one, um, he talks about Matthew 24 and gives a really good sort of sort of introduction and a bit of unpacking on that. So I'd encourage you if you've got a moment to go to that. So he's that's the sort of first part. And then when you come on to Matthew 25, there are basically three parables that Jesus is telling about what it means to be ready for his return. Okay, three parables. Um, and, and a little bit about what it means and how we should live in this time. I think what I read as I read them, particularly the one we read, is that this is really serious. It's important how we live. And I think the language that's used really reflects the importance of this time and what he is talking about here. So the third of these little stories in Matthew 25 is the one we've read today, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Now, it's not really a parable in the truest sense of it. I mean, what the suggestion is that it's a kind of a picture, a prophetic image, if you like, of what will happen on that day when Christ returns. It's steeped in imagery that would have been very familiar to the people of that day. So we don't see sheep and goats being herded together in the center of Truro, do we? Maybe one day in the past there was, but we don't see that. But for them, this would have been a very normal, very ordinary thing. The sheep and the goats would be herded together during the day and there would be a shepherd leading them and tending them. But in the evening, apparently, the sheep were a bit more hardy. The goats need, were a bit, you know, a bit more kind of, I don't know, they needed a bit more care. So they would be separated. And so it was quite common. The sheep would be separated from the goats and the goats would be put into a paddock and the sheep, the sheep would be kind of left to their own kind of devices a bit more. So that process, that picture would have been really familiar. But what is the significance of it? What is it that we need to kind of take or learn 
from this image and from this passage? Well, it starts by saying he will return in his glory with his angels. I think somewhere it says one of the translations talks about a thousand times a thousand angels. Well, I don't know what that is going to look like. And I struggle to fathom, you know, as we've said already, as we're looking at this series, it's hard, isn't it, to, to get our heads around this thing. And uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't then consider it. But all I was thinking about, as I try to imagine it, it's going to be bright. <laughs> it's going to be bright. But then we read on in the text, and it says that as part of this, there's going to be a judging. And it talks about a judging of the nations. And the, the outcome of that judging is quite significant. You know, eternally accepting or embracing or receiving an inheritance, well, then it talks about an eternal separation. And it talks about hell. Now, I'm not going to talk about that today because that's a, that's a whole area that would take a lot of time for us to consider. But I want us to, um, I would encourage you to, can I always get the date, actually? Maybe, Graham, could you get the date that Steve did that, that session? It was over the summer. Again, I keep deferring to this, but we've wanted to unpack some of these really kind of complicated things in Scripture. Steve did a really good sort of oversight of the different ways of looking at the whole area of hell. Okay? And it was helpful. And it wasn't, didn't, it won't leave you full of, I don't know, fear. I just thought it was a good session. And um, we'll get that, the date of that. If you wanted to go back and explore that a little bit further. It's quite complicated, I have to say. But it is good. And I commend that to you. So I'm not going to talk about that today. What I'm going to say is that what this does is it really highlights the seriousness of this and the importance of what we are talking about. Then it comes on to another tricky bit. And this is where, if you're looking at trying to understand this passage, the way, they the way, the way that the next bit is interpreted kind of gives you kind of almost how the, the three different areas, three different ways of understanding this, this have, have emerged. So what Jesus says then is, is the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Okay? Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So who are these brothers and sisters that Christ is referring to? Now, how we answer this question is quite important. The first interpretation, and this was the first sermon that we listened to on the way up, was that Jesus is talking about everybody. He's talking about all people everywhere. Jesus is deeply concerned with how we treat the lowest, the least, the poorest, and the marginalized. The broken, the sick, the outcast, whoever they may be and wherever they are. And it matters to him so much that when people are judged at the end of this age, what we did and what we failed to do for the poor, the broken, the marginalized of the world will matter. This is important stuff. What this does, I believe, is it reflects God's heart for the poor. I felt it this week. I was in the house of prayer. I can't remember what day it was, but I was praying. Was it the week gone anyway? When these, these guys who were crossing the channel 
to come here. Um, and the boat sank. And 29 men, women, children drowned in the freezing cold English Channel. And I sat in the house of prayer and up there, for those of you seen it, um, we've got a, like, a, it's like a, a montage of faces and it's an encouragement to pray for the persecuted church. And I saw these eyes looking back at me and I just felt this deep grief and sadness over what had happened. And you start to imagine, I started to imagine what it must have been like for those, you just can't, can you? And it, I was grieved by what I was thinking about and what I was, it was just awful. And I just thought, this is grieving. This is, God's heart is broken over this. And I know it's a, it's a complicated scene. It's a reflection of the messed up world that we live in. But his heart breaks. And our hearts should break over these things, should they not? It should matter to us what is happening in the world. This is what it said in one of the books that I read on this. But for me, it's just one of the commentaries. It just backs up how we can view the passage this way. It's okay to view it this way. It's, a, it's, it's an old one, so the language is male, but it, it is inclusive. In virtue of the divine compassion an infinite sympathy shown in his life on earth, the Son of Man has come to feel the sorrows and afflictions of the children of men as they were, th they were his own. Sorry, as though they were his own. He can, he can therefore, in, in a very real sense, refer to the suffering of men and women as his brethren. Thank you. You know, Christ had a deep compassion for all. You saw that in his ministry, didn't you? You read it in the, in the Gospels, how he cared for people. And he doesn't just invite us to share this. I believe he can, requires us to share this. He even compels us to share this. Why? Because God's heart, God's heart for the, the poor, the broken, the marginalized, the the hungry, the imprisoned. You know, why have we, why have we, Chris, why are you running around like a headless chicken at the moment, collecting furniture? <laughs> Praise God for that. But why? Yeah, and he's blessed lots of people. Well, the Lord has blessed lots of people. Why? Because God's heart is for the poor. The brokenness. Those people lead, lead, moving into a, a house who need some furniture. Where for the vast majority of us, we have the means to go out and sort this out. But these guys, some of them don't have it. That's why we're doing it. Because God loves and cares for. Not just doing it for the Christians. We're doing it for everybody. And I, we'll get you telling some stories because there's some wonderful things happening. Chris, isn't there? We're here on a Tuesday at, 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 at Lanterns. working with those in debt. Steve, you're getting involved in that, aren't you, more and more? So that's, you know, we hear some more about that. But that's about this, isn't it? 
That is about this. This is about us being compelled to care for the poor and the seriousness that, 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 that Christ portrays this and tells, talks about this in this passage. It's not just about what we do in this place. Each one of us, each one of us can have ways in which we reach out and touch and care and reflect the heart of God and the seriousness of what we're reading and, and God's, God's heart for the poor. What, what this means is this. It, it means we cannot, we do not have the choice of simply raising the drawbridge, the drawbridge, battening down the hatches, getting it all nice and safe and comfortable in here and forgetting that there is a broken, hurting troubled, pain-filled world out there that God has deep compassion and care for. And here's a task for us to do in showing that love and care for them. Passage doesn't let us do that. What this passage does, it says, you've got to go. You've got to get your hands dirty. You've got to get ready for your hearts to be a bit battered and a bit broken. And you've got to step into the fray. It's about bringing the impact of what Christ started on the cross and what he will complete in the end into the present moment. And in this moment, he wants us, his body, his bride, his family, to get on with sharing and showing and displaying to the world what Jesus died to achieve, and that is to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he wants us to do. So that's the first way of looking at this. You know, that Jesus is talking about everybody. The second way... I think you can equally translate it or understand it in this way, is that when Jesus talks about his brethren, his brothers and sisters, he's talking about the church. You know, when you read about, when, when Jesus talks about brothers and sisters in the New Testament, he's always talking about followers of Jesus, the, the followers of the way. You know that time, isn't it, where he, he's, he's in a house, it's packed out, and his mum and his brothers come, and someone taps him on the shoulder and says, Jesus, your mum and your brothers are here, and he looks around in the room and says, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You know, the conclusion that some draw as they look at this passage in the light of that. Is that this is about Christ's judgment and judging of the church. Talking about the way. The church has treated its own. How the church cares for those within its number who are poor and hungry and naked and in prison. So when we ignore or overlook or are uncaring to those within the church, it's like we're doing it to Christ himself. You know, when Paul or Saul, as he was then, was on the road to Damascus and he has his amazing experience, you remember? Stopped in his tracks and the, the light is blinded and the voice. What happens? What does the voice say? What does Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He'd never met Jesus before. What did that mean? Paul was persecuting the church. 
And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? I, I, I love, well, the point I want to just mention, the, the, the life of Paul is a beautiful picture and the power of redemption that can take place. He goes from breathing and carrying out murderous threats against the church to being the one who is going to build and bless and, and see the body of Christ kind of catapulted throughout that region and beyond into the, to the wider world. But this picture of, of caring for the poor fits with the picture that we have of the church in Acts, doesn't it? You know, what, what happens in those early chapters of Acts is, is um, you know, we get this picture of the church emerging, Acts 2.42. It talks about the way that they were, the, the believers were selling their stuff and giving it to those who had need. There was such a sense of care and compassion for one another. And it makes sense if Jesus is the body of Christ and we are his church, sorry, the church is the body of Christ. And if we're going to display who Jesus is, then we're going to reflect what he does. It's all in the book, isn't it? The way he is with people. So I think it's perfectly natural that we should be caring for one another. It'd be a bit weird if we didn't, wouldn't it? I think it's worth mentioning here too. So I'm not going to go on for too much longer. Don't worry, I've got one more point, but it's a quick one. Um, it's worth mentioning here too that this would have brought great comfort to his disciples who are reading this for the first time. You know, this is the day before or the days before Jesus is going to the cross. And then look at the persecution that, 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 that occurred around that and then beyond that in the early church. So for, 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 for Jesus to say these words would have been an encouragement, I think, to these guys as they were being launched into their mission as his brothers and sisters. They were going to be subjected to repeated attacks and abuse. For many of them, it would ultimately lead to death. But they would lay their lives down for something that mattered. The body of Christ. They're not going to lay it down, I think, for some ideology or, or good idea. They were going to lay their lives down for something that really mattered. The body of Christ, the church, continuing the work that Christ had begun and laid his life down for. And this is what he asks of the church, that we would lay our, our lives, that we would give of ourselves. The reality is, is that in this culture and context, many of us don't need to lay our lives down, do we? But these guys tomorrow night are going to be praying for those for whom that is a reality. So, so they were given their lives for the church and that, for the body of Christ, for his ministry to be, to be continued. And I think that just adds to the weight of what we're talking about today, does it not? So there's two ways of interpreting this passage. One, when Jesus talks about his brethren, it's about everybody. One, when he talks about his brothers and sisters, he's talking about just the church. I think both of those cons are consistent with the whole of the Bible, are they not? So we can interpret it in both of those ways. What I think it does do is it tells us how serious and important this is. We've got to take this seriously. You know, as Christians, we can enter or go into, you know, that, that sense of judgment, knowing that our sins are forgiven, that we've been washed clean. Nothing can take that away from us. But there is, I believe, and I think the Bible shows us this and tells us this, is that there is a sort of a judgment about, you know, you'll be judged for what you've done with what you've, 
what's been put in your hands. Okay? And that's the bit. We don't have the option of just shutting down the drawbridge and, saying, and, and shutting the doors and saying, well, the rest of you can go to hell in a handcart. I'm all right, Jack. That's not being the body of Christ. We don't have that option. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. So, so there's two different ways both, I think, are valid. The final way, just really briefly to finish, is, 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 is it takes a slightly different stance on the passage, but in some ways it, it, it doesn't. It's just a different emphasis, and, and it's about God's love for justice. God's love for justice. In the new heaven and the new earth that we read about in Revelation, there will be no injustice. There will be no injustice. But such is the value that God places upon it, that regardless of how we interpret this passage, whether it's all humanity or whether it's just the church, this is so important to God that we have to take it seriously now. And if it don't, if we don't, I think it can affect our relationship with God now. There's a quote from a Tom Wright who we mention often, but he, he says this on this particular point. Should we not say then that this scene of judgment, though in this picture is, it is spoken of as a one-off future and final event, may actually refer to what is happening through human history from the time of Jesus' resurrection and ascension to the present time. Could it be that the final judgment in some sense comes forward to meet us? So what he's saying is if we don't take this seriously now, it affects and it can affect and impact our relationship with him in this moment. How we experience and encounter him. I'm not saying we then care for the poor just so that we can experience God. It's about reflecting who he is. It's about being who he wants us to be, the body of Christ, the, the family of God, caring for one another. And in doing that, it kind of creates the right environment for God to, to, to move and to touch and to heal and to help us. The environment in which his Holy Spirit is not grieved because we're ignoring this hurting world out there, I think that does grieve the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? So it's about our focus upon justice and this being a kingdom value that we cannot ignore. So just three ways of looking at this passage. And, and I want to finish by coming back. We, we seem to finish at this place often, but it's the right place to finish from. Uh, finish, and that is, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help us in this, to show us what this looks like. Because the needs of the world are great, aren't they? And we can't respond and react to all of them. But we do need to respond and react to the things that God puts on our hearts to respond to, to give towards, to invest our time in. There's a, there's a Catholic guy, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Is that his name is Ranieri Cantalamessa. 
sounds like an American, uh, uh, an Italian football um, coach, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's the he's going up to Manchester United to take on that. No, no. <laughs> and I remember listening to a podcast of his once, and he just said this: the baptism of the Holy Spirit is first and foremost the baptism of love. If God is love. And he is spirit. You know, part of the Godhead is, is the Holy Spirit. So when we invite the Holy Spirit to come, we're inviting him to come and fill us with love. Yeah? Is that a, a fair thing? Because I think this is a bit of a stretch without that. It's difficult to, to whip it up and make it happen if we don't love. So that's got to be the motivation or the motivator here, isn't it? Holy Spirit, love of God in us so that we can do what he wants us to do, which is care for those in need. The poor, the broken, the marginalized, they're on his heart. And if we want to reflect, if we want to radiate who he is in his glory, then we are going to have to take this seriously continue to take it seriously so if i 